Today's episode is brought to you courtesy of user Jerome, who won our Facebook and social media contest by correctly pointing out that Adam said that Kyle Wright was being promoted to the Braves when, in fact, it was Ian Anderson. So because of that, we told him to choose a product to do a commercial for. He actually just did it wrong again. It was Ian uh, Kyle Wright was called up, and Ian Anderson was not. <laughs> no, I'm, I think I'm right. No, Kyle Wright's been called. Ian Anderson hasn't been called up. Ian Anderson pitched last night. No, he didn't. I said Kyle Wright on the episode. Look it up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kyle Wright pitched last night. He threw two scoreless signs of relief, I remember. Look it up. Jesus. Yeah, this was last night, September 5th. Kyle Wright, okay. As I just incorrectly stated. <laughs> again. Again. <laughs> it is Kyle Wright that got called up, not Ian Anderson. Obviously, I can't get that in my head. <laughs> so, because of my double fail... I now have to do an ad for KY Jelly and Canned Wine. Do you like to have a good time? Do you also like your products to be portable? Maybe you like to have a beverage. Maybe after having the beverage, you like to uh, get some intimate time with your special partner. Well, if so, from the people that brought you KY Jelly, they now bring you Canned Wine as well. Attached is KY Jelly to the can. It goes right under, actually, the little circle. It just, there's like a little piece of tape under there, and you just spew the jelly out for once you finish the wine. It's very fair. You could take it tailgating. You could take it to the movie theater. You could take it on a road trip. Uh, A few states still allow you to drink in the car, so that can of wine checks out. I'll uh, let you get creative with what the jelly's for. Uh, But yeah, thank you, KY, for bringing us KY Jelly Can Wine from your friends at Atlanta Zone. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going quite well, Graham. In the new and improved Adam Kalal studio tonight. This is a major, major upgrade. We have a table, chairs, uh... Dead plant staring at us in the face. Yeah, we're firing on all cylinders tonight. Yeah, no, this is this is exactly what we needed. And thank you, user Jerome, for that very creative product idea. Yeah, like I said, we would advertise literally anything. And that's what he picked. So good on you. So it's Kyle Wright that pitched last Kyle night. Kyle Wright pitched last night. Looked pretty damn good. Maybe Ian, he should have pitched today too. Ian Anderson's in Double A, huh? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll try to wrap my mind around that one. Yeah. Um. We got a huge show. Today is September fifth, twenty eighteen. So that means we are one day away from the NFL kicking off its regular season, and that includes your Atlanta Falcons taking on the defending Super Bowl champs. Unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, prime time, Graham. Prime time, eight twenty, NBC. Be there or not be a fan. Um, 
So we're going to get into that. We're also going to do an overall Falcon season preview. We'll be talking about what the Braves have been doing. Um, very Braves Falcon centric episode today. I think we might touch on the United actually. Oh, will we? With actually some serious discussions happening. Well, we do have a uh, a third person in studio we today. Do. Uh, it's Philly John, as you've heard of a few times. He's been on the show once. Yes, with during intern, Air, intern Jared. Jared. <laughs> uh, yeah, during our Super Bowl preview, actually, so, we were on Radio Row when we went to uh, where was it? Oh again? yeah, that was uh, New Orleans. No, Philly. Seattle, Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah, we were Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. It was cold. It was right. cold. Uh, but yeah, we, we might say a sentence or two about the United. Okay. Apparently, there's some updates. Fair. Okay. I actually watched the game on uh, whenever it was. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. Not really remember what happened, but I I watched it. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. So Adam, where would you like to start? We want to get into the Braves. Let's, or let's get let's get the Braves out of the way. Yeah. So um, today was a depressing day. It was for me. And. Uh, I watched uh, the game till about till, until we were up seven to one. I was watching the background at work. Things looked good. I was like, okay, we're taking care of Boston's, uh, you know, quadruple A team, their C team. Uh, JD Martinez is out. Mookie Betts is out. I can't remember who was pitching, but he was, you know, Velasquez is whatever. Game starts off typically how you like it. Ronald Acuna hits the bomb, lead off the game, eighth. Uh, Lead-off home run for Acuna. That's a franchise career record, surpassing Marquise Grissom when he did it back in the 90s. Pretty cool. Um, and we proceeded to just kick their ass. Fulte looked pretty good. Got in a little trouble early. Gave up only one run. He was cruising, and man. He was cruising. And so, right, I guess about 7-1, to one, I have a bunch of meetings that happen around um, 3. So I turned off the game. I was also a little behind because I started watching late. So I paused it, hoping to come back around 4, 4.30, finish it up while I finished work up. And while I'm in one of my meetings... Adam texts me and says, I wish we'd have done a podcast last night because I'm sick of this brave shit or something to that effect. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and of course, in true to Atlanta fashion, Boston sports strikes again when you least expect it. Yeah, they really showed that they are an elite level. Yes. I mean, they've won, what, 96 games now? They're like 50 games over 500. It's a stupid, absurd record. And... I think we could play with those guys if we could cut down on these walks. Like, all of their rallies started with a walk or an air in all three games. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, Newcomb last night was just atrocious with those walks. But Yeah, he had five walks. I don't think what he didn't get out of the fourth inning, yeah. I believe. Four-plus um, innings. Yeah, he they lost were. that game 5-1. to one. That was rough. Newcomb looks tired to me. The stuff on the pitches isn't as crisp. The movement's not as good. Um you know how we always always talk about how he elevates his fastball effectively. Hardly saw that at all yeah. yesterday. And when he did, it was wild. His control was all over the place. But going back to today, Fulte looked Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So Fulte looked good. Yeah. Fill us in for those that may so have missed the game. Fulte's cruising. Uh, he's through six innings. And he's, I mean, he's just mowing them down. 87 pitches. Um, and Snickers get a little too creative with this expanded roster. So he pulls. Also, Freddie didn't start today, which yep. was fine. Freddie the offense the offense did okay. Uh, we had Duda in there, who he pulled to pinch hit with Suzuki for for some reason with the bases loaded, which I thought was strange in the first place. So then Ryan Flaherty comes in to play first. Yeah, I saw that. I kind of saw it in the background, and I was like, "Why the hell is Flaherty in the game?" Yeah. So that's what happened. Yeah, he, Jesus. Yeah. 
Because he pinch hit Duda, who I like with the bases loaded. Well, was it a lefty? It was a lefty. Yeah. Is he just atrocious against yeah. lefties? Well, he hits right-handed pitching. He, he sucks against lefty-handed. Look at those splits. It's awful. I'm sure he's capable. But then here was the other kicker. He pulled Marcakis once we were comfortably up, put Duvall in right field. Um, you know what? A lot of people were up Snickers' ass today, but once I saw we were up 7-1 to one and Fulte was rolling, I didn't think he was going to take out Fulte when he did, but I, I thought the same thing. I was like, give Marcakis a rest. Give any veteran a rest. Just looks like we got this on lockdown. I mean, but I'm not, not going to crucify Snickers yeah, for that move. Yeah, I, I could see that side of the argument. But your boy Duvall, who we've been saying is a plus defender. Yeah, like was just atrocious out there. So he put... Puts Duvall out there, who misplayed at least three balls uh, that Marcakis probably makes the play on. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he said, if you're trying, like everyone's complaining about getting Marcakis a break, and then he finally does. You think you have, uh, you know, track record wise? Yeah, Duvall has always been a good defender. That's one part of his game that's never languished or right. or, or had any ebb and flow to it. It's always been very consistent. Here's my thing with Snit's decisions today, though. It's like. His bullpen management, there's no rhyme or reason to it. No. We're up 7-1. He's making these replacements. We've got the expanded rosters, and Jesse Biddle's his first guy out. It's very confusing why he does that. He'll pitch Biddle when, you know, we have a five-run lead or something, but goddamn, we better put Sam Freeman in when it's a tie game yeah. or we're up by one run against a really good team. Mm-hmm. It's it's confounding. It's confusing. I don't know what the hell to make of it. Yeah. I don't trust Snickers' bullpen management if we are fortunate enough to make the postseason at this point, and I don't trust that bullpen overall. And that's why I'm curious as to why Snicker pulled Fulte when he only threw 87 pitches. Right. So Biddle actually picks, pitched a perfect inning, yeah. and then the eighth comes along, and it's Winkler, who definitely ran into some bad luck. Camargo flubbed what would have been – a double play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, then, that changes the game. And then the Duvall disaster right. in right field. So it was just defense falling apart. And then so we recycle. We go from Winkler to Brock, who can't get the job done, to Venters, and then finally Minter. So we went through our basically our best four pitchers out of the bullpen to give up seven, six runs in the eighth inning. And it makes no sense why any of those guys even had to pitch in that situation. Like – we throw Luke Jackson last night and the game's close, but we're not going to throw him today when we are up big. And it's kind of funny that the guys who, you know, who we like in close game situations blew a game that we had, you know, handed to us on a silver platter. Right. Yeah, the only big-time decision you can fault Snicker on is pulling Fulty early. Yeah. Yeah. When we desperately need a win. Right. And especially when the bullpen has been inconsistent. He's only throwing 87 pitches. Throw him out there for one more inning, for love of God. Against the lineup that he pretty much dominated. The only run he gave up was because Lucas Duda's a dumbass and decided to oh, yeah. field the ball with a fast runner on third base. And instead of like running forward and tagging the guy who hit the ball, he turns his back on the guy at third and trots over to third base like he's walking over the, the damn buffet table mm-hmm. to get a second helping. Well, and that was, and it, that was which that, let the guy that, score. The guy was that dude BP. It was Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips, who just got called up to the Red Sox today. Uh, he had been in the he had signed with the team for a while, and then he signed with the Red Sox. Played about a month in AAA. Today was his big homecoming in Atlanta. Yeah, and then he hit a what two run bomb, two run bomb with two outs when we were up one in the ninth inning off our closer. And then Minter just laid a either fastball or 
slider, I can't tell which one, right down the middle. Yeah. Just crushed it. The worst part about that was, I think, after all of that, and, and, and you know, Freddie Freeman comes in the game, pinch hits, it's a homer to put us up. And then, Classic Freddie. Right, and then that, and then the Brandon Phillips thing happens. But then what was worse was after we give up that lead, Kimbrell comes in and shut the door on us. It was like the ultimate ex-Braves revenge fantasy tour. And uh, spoilers for those of you that haven't seen Boardwalk Empire Season 2. But there is a scene, I won't give away names, but uh, guy's trying to kill his father, who's done some really nasty things to him over the course of his life. And he's already stabbed him like once, and his mom's in the room, and, she, and she, the mom also doesn't like the father. They have a very mixed relationship. And she, and, and for a second he stops. You know, he like hesitates in terms of if he's going to kill him or not. And then the mom says, finish him, goddamn you. And so that's how I felt because Kimbrell walked Tyler Flowers. Mm. And I was like, what's the point? Just just, just get it over with, Craig. Yeah. Put us out of our freaking misery today. Got Lane Adams to 3-2 count. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Lane Adams is their guy pinching there. That was that was a disaster. Hopefully you just turn the page and move on. But That's the worst loss of the season, though. Yes. That, 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 like, that, that, that's worse than that early season Cubs loss when we were yeah, up well, like 10-2 or that, whatever. That was fluky. That was the weather, whatever. Um, but this game was, was awful because we really needed to win this game. We are now been swept, and I feel like this team cannot build any momentum. They're either winning every game or they're losing every game, it seems like, or they're winning two or three and then getting swept. Or they win four in a row and then they lose four in a row. It's been a very up-and-down last month-ish, month-and-a-half-ish for this this team. All we can hope is that, well, A, so here, my concern, we're going on the road to two teams that we went 1-5 and five against the last time we played them. At home. But we're better on the road than at home. Right, but we still suck on the West Coast. So rubber's going to meet the road somewhere. And the Phillies play the Mets and Marlins. Yeah, they're currently playing the Marlins. They lost their first game, and they uh, won last night. I don't know what the score is right now. But it's concerning because now our lead is down to two and a half games coming into tonight. So what once seemed like – you know what? Honestly, I'm amazed that we're still in first place because of this up-and-down nature. We've been playing. The Phillies haven't won a series. Well, here's why. John, maybe you can chime in here. But but real quick. The okay. Philly, sorry. The Phillies, sorry. The Phillies haven't won a, won a series in what feels like a millennia. I think they're 0-7-1 in their last eight series. And we have only had a four-game lead because we can't put together any, you know, can't put together any sort of consistent play right now. Uh, yeah, that, that's why I still have hope is because the Phillies don't particularly scare me. Losing 2-0, 2 Losing two nothing in the top of the fifth. Oh, the Phillies are now. fantastic. Yeah, so that's just good. To put you guys at ease. Yeah. So, and we know the Phillies' offense has really struggled recently. Yeah, their offense has struggled. I heard they lost Franco. Apparently, he got hurt. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. He's been benched recently. I dropped him from my fantasy yeah. team just because he went on a run there where he was killing the ball, and now he's just super cool. Yeah. Off. Dumb plays, poor pitching, rest easy. But here's the question: How far out are the Nationals? Far enough. I think they're. Seven and a half, something like that. This, uh, the season is far from over. Yeah. And we're September 5th, but honestly, we've seen weirder shit happen in this town. And we saw weirder shit today against a, a, a team that wasn't even fielding their best players come in, come back, and really put one over on us. And you just hope that this doesn't create a sort of spiraling out of control. But I think they'll go the other way, Graham. I'll, I'll tell you this. The thing that really concerns me about this team right now is just their inability to score. That game against the Red Sox, the first game on Monday, 
we load the bases three times and we can't get a damn run across the board. I remember coming into the Pittsburgh series, which we won two or three of, but that first Friday night, someone had a stat of we were 13 for 74 of the runners in scoring position over our last 74 times that we've had a runner in scoring position. I mean, no one is hitting the ball effectively at this point with the exception of Ronald Acuna. And good news is we saw a little life out of Ozzy. Yeah, Ozzy's... Ozzy hit a homer. Cakes had a couple hits today. That was good. That was good because he's been really that. spiraling. Um, Freddie hit a homer, which was nice. But, man, we've lost some really bullshit games. We should have won that game against the Cubs. We should have won this game today against the Sox. And we should have won that first game against the Sox. What made it worse is there's all those goddamn Red Sox fans in the, in the, in the stands. That's the way it's going to be. But you know what? I'll say this. I went to a game in Fenway in July when I went up to Boston. And... I was very pleased that their stadium was infiltrated by Blue Jays fans. Like, it was about, it was almost half and half That's on a Friday night. That's impressive. And so I was like, you know what? I don't feel as bad now. Everyone yeah. gives us shit about being a, you know, letting our stadium get infiltrated. There were a chance of let's go Blue Jays that were so loud, and the Blue Jays beat them uh, that night. But regardless. They're in the same boat. Well, not really. Not really. It's they a have, different boat. They have a championship caliber team. And right now, certainly we do not. Um, I still have hope, though, Graham. Yeah, I mean, you can't give up. It's we, not like the we, season's over. We are in first place on September 5th. Right. That, that's awesome. And no one would have we thought care, that. We care about watching baseball in September. Yeah, and this team has is an ebb and flow team. They are going to get hot again, and they are also going to cool off again. It's just going to – it depends on when it happens. Are we going to get hot maybe, you know, the second week of September to the third week and then cool off and we have to play the Phillies? I don't know, but, you know, you never know what to expect from this team because there are nights when you go out there and they perform so well and you think, well, shit, maybe they can contend. And then there are nights, days like today, where you're just like, man, this team seems so far away from contending. There's no semblance of consistency. Speaking so of, frustrating. Speaking of excitement, I loved, I don't know, I guess that wasn't excitement, but ups and downs. Yeah. I loved on uh, Monday, you called me and John and I were together at the time and you were just like, Dude, are you saying this shit? Oh, Tukey looks so, so good. W- but when you said that, though, I'm thinking, oh, wow, Braves are up like 6 nothing. Tukey's gone like seven oh. no-hit innings. And I'm like, oh, it's the fourth inning. Zero, zero. Zero, zero. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Tukey ran into some trouble there, and he got lifted early. But before that, he was making the best lineup in baseball with like a bunch of chumps. Striking out J.D. Martinez, inducing weak contact from Mookie Betts. He had a couple of uh, you know control issues, but overall, man, this kid next year is going to be the real fucking deal. Well, maybe this year, man. I think it's going to be a tryout between him and Newcomb now for potential. Could be. And it shows spot. that the staff, the coaching staff, has a lot of uh, faith in him to throw him out there in game one uh, against the Red Sox. Well, that was also because they don't want Newcomb pitching uh, a day game. Yeah. Because he sweats his ass off and can't grip the ball. Right. And, yeah, I think, I think Sean's burnt out. He's, not, he's never going to admit he's, it. He looked like his old self at times. He looked like last year Newcomb. No, no. I'm saying like at times oh, early at times in the game, game. Yeah. Yeah, he was like – it's something about him. It's like you can tell when he's on or when he's off immediately. He's just like – maybe it's just because he's blatantly wild and his curveball doesn't do shit when he's off. Yeah. But like at times he looked crisp, but then he would just walk the next hitter. Right. It was just, you know. No consistency. Up and down, up and down. That's sort of a, a theme of this show. Yeah. Um, Julio Tehran looks all right though. Oh, yeah, he he's 
he's definitely been better than Newcomb now. Yeah, I still don't want him pitching in the playoffs right now. Yeah, I think he, he's he's going to be the guy. He, I trust Julio more than Newcomb right now. Hell I yeah. still I still don't. Well, that's I, th- I think you you're a little too. Uh, I just biased towards Julio. Julio, when he's bad, kills you. Like he kills you. But he's been good for the past like two months. Not two months. Month. Month ish. Almost month. Month he's, and a half. He's got to give me some more performances like he's been giving, but I've been encouraged by what I've seen. Still, he's throwing 89 miles per hour down the middle of the plate too often, and the Pirates' offense sucks. I want to see him go against a good. I think he's pitching in this uh, Diamondback series. If he pitches well, but, if he pitches well at Arizona, I'll have more faith in him. Okay, and you can't make the 89 mile an hour argument. Two of the best Braves pitchers of all times through 89 miles an hour. Yeah, but they were hell. Of, they were Hall of Famers. Julio Tehran is a middle of the rotation. Point is you, you can make it happen. Yeah, but. Um, compare Julio Tehran to Maddox and, and, and Glavin is, is asinine. I'm not comparing Dr- him to it. I'm comparing the fastball velocity. Yeah, but indirectly you're comparing it to Maddox and Glavin. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Bullshit. Drink your beer. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Giant, uh, Diamondbacks first, then Giants. Um, those are our next, what, seven games? Four against the Giants, three. I mean, four against the Diamondbacks, three against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got yeah we got Grinky and Grinky's tomorrow. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Um, I think regardless of what happens in this, even if we lost like five of seven, it's all gonna come down to those those seven Phillies games. Yeah, that's really where we're gonna find out who wins the division. That's gonna decide. I think. I tell you what. I'm going to be heartbroken if we don't make the playoffs. Yeah, if we don't make the playoffs, it'll be really sad because this has been such a joy to watch this I'm team. As much sick of the losing. I am too. As much shit as we've given the, the Braves today, that doesn't speak. You know, one game does not a season make. And one, one streak of losses, one sweep does not a season make. No. So, you know, anything can happen. You just got to get in. And the National League, still pretty wide open. Mm-hmm. The problem is, though, is if we don't win the division – I do not think we're going to get a wild card spot because the other teams that are competing for a wild card spot right now actually have a better record than we do. The majority of them, like the, yeah. the Cards and the Brewers. Um, so it's sort of win the division or go home. Sure. Uh, I guess the last thing we'll, we'll, we'll touch on here is that Ronald Acuna won the player of the month. Or not player of the month, the rookie of the Ronald Acuna won the rookie of the month for the month of August for his superlative performance. 336 batting average, 405 on base, 698 slugging, 1.013 on base plus slugging percentage, 11 home runs, 6 stolen bases. Jesus Christ. What 11 home runs. That's yeah. nuts. That guy is on another planet right now. And let us hope that he continues his toward stretch because the offenses completely rely on him. Anytime we score now, he's the catalyst. Whether he's walking, getting extra base hits, getting a single, hitting a homer, it doesn't matter. He's doing it all. And I just love the fact that he's drawing more walks. He's, he's just and – he's, and he's hitting the ball the other way. I mean, he looks like the total package out there. He's putting it all together at the perfect time. What do you think about the Twitter trolls that will just love to hate on Snicker that think that Acuna should now be hitting further down in the lineup so he's driving people in? I disagree because I think he – you know what? No, no one's getting on base he, right he now. He plays differently up there too. Yeah, no one's getting – like don't, don't fuck with success right now. You want to revisit that next year? So be it. Right now, the guy's loaded and he's helping the team because not so many people are getting on base. So when he gets on base, that puts pressure on the starting pitcher. It doesn't matter if uh, 
you know, he's hitting third or fourth and there's no one on base in front of him. I mean, it's great. He can still start a rally and things like that, but it's just so much more effective when he's at the top of the order. And he's getting the most at-bats on the team. You want to get your best player the most at-bats. I did kind of like Mark Hakes hitting third today, though. That was okay. I, You know what was just really frustrating with both Freddie and Mark Hakes slumping right now is that, you know, there have been times when, you know, we'll get a guy the second or third, whether it's Ender or mostly, uh, excuse me, Acuna, It'd be like guy in second and third, no outs or one out, and we just cannot get anybody in. We've got yeah. to break through the slump of, of, of lack of production with runners in scoring position. I'm a big uh, believer in just switching up the lineup in times of uh, struggle. So I would I like Acuna, Freddie, Cakes. I'm fine with that. And then plug in whoever, Suzuki. Uh, Camargo is fine at four. Yeah, put Camargo four if you're going to do that. I don't care. After that, it's it's sort of a toss up. I don't know. Bring Ozzy back up a little more. Yeah, I I I like Freddie too. I think Freddie hitting second at this point, and you got Acuna hitting first. That puts a ton of pre- even more pressure on the the opposing starting pitcher because then you're thinking about well shit I got him I got Freddie Freeman next. So you heard, you heard it here on Atlanta's own. I like I like the uh, suggestion. That's very uh, saber metric of you, Adam. Thank you, Graham. I like I've, it. I've uh, opened my mind to the new world. It's good. Appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, new world, Lucas Duda. Mm-hmm. How much does he look like Ryan McCann? Oh, it's like the resemblance is uncanny. He's his doppelganger. Even he even squinted at one point <laughs> when he was. Uh, <laughs> When he was in the box, and I was like, Classic. "I was like, Brian, is that you? <laughs> Can't see." Yeah, uh, I like him as a left-handed bat off the bench. Though. I'm fine with that. That was, that was a good little signing. I wonder why uh, the, the deadline's over now. The second deadline. I wonder what, if Anthopolis tried to get some more uh, bullpen arms or not. There's, I don't know. There was any word about that? We'd have but, to interview him. Yeah, I know he was on six eight. The fan, I think, yesterday. I don't know why he won't come by the Adam Kalau Studios. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful I mean, location. We got, our, we got our plant now. We got our dead plant. We got two chairs and a stool. What the fuck else do you want? It's pretty good, man. <laughs> yeah. One microphone for three guys to share. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think that wraps up our Braves. Got wraps up Braves. Yep. Yep. So, moving on to the Falcons. Big time things are happening. Whereas with the Braves, we, you know... There's still big things happening. The big things happening with the Braves, but it's, we're playing with house money at this point. You know, with the, with the Braves, I think. No one thought we'd be doing this. Well, see, th- this is going to be the difference between the Braves. Like, the Braves, everything. Exactly, house money. Right. Everything we get from here is just dandy. Every but day the is Falcons, a gift. Falcons, every loss, it's just going to be like, no, we have a Super Bowl caliber lo- roster. So if it's a disappointing season, it's going to be, if we're 9-7, it's going to be terrible. I'm going to. We're going to be so depressed for the next six months. No, for the next like two years, because the team's going to be radically not radically different, but it's going to be a little different. We're going to lose Tevin Coleman. We're going to lose some other guys. Probably it's it'll be devastating if we do not compete for the Super Bowl this year. I will recant that statement. It'll be devastating, devastating if we do not win the motherfucker this year. Absolutely devastating. There's zero reason why that should happen other than like Matt Ryan is you know gets his arm severed or something. Or Julio is out for the year. You know, something catastrophic like that has to happen for me to be like, okay, my expectations are lowered now. Uh, at some point throughout the season? Yeah, like if we lose either one of those guys, for example, or, you know, we have a rash of defensive injuries or, you know, some other Atlanta bullshit-related thing happens, 
that you would expect. Right. Um, that's the only. That's the only way that it's the season's not a failure. The season is a. But my point is, do you think we can get joy out of it, or is it going to be like a Patriots type, like regular season, where like we win, and it's like, yeah, we're supposed to win, big deal. No, because I think, like at least for me, I'm still going to get excited about the regular season because. Unlike the Patriots, we don't have a great track record in the playoffs. Oh, no? Um, I mean, we've been in the playoffs the last two years. We've won games in consecutive seasons for the first, you know, postseason games in consecutive seasons, which is great. But um, the regular season, to me, it's, yeah, it's not like the Patriots where it's sort of like you just sleepwalk through it. Because I feel like if this team sleepwalks and wakes up in November, it could be too little too late with how good the division's supposed to be this year again. We got to think about it. NFC South put three teams in the playoffs uh, last year: the Saints, us, and Carolina. I don't know what's going to happen with Carolina. They could be really good. They could, you know, be a mediocre team, seven and nine again. Classic Cam Newton. The Saints are going to be good. We better bring our shit. A lot of people are talking about their defense taking a step back this year, though. It's possible. They think that was kind of a fluke last year. I mean, their defense, like ours, is young. It's evolving. I think they'll still have a good – and even if they don't, once again, their offense is is lethal with Breeze, Thomas, and Kamara, and Ingram. Uh, I, I respect the shit out of those guys. I don't want to play them. Sean Payton is a devious bastard who likes to have our number quite a bit. But getting back to our original point, yeah, if we don't win the Super Bowl this year, it's a failure. That's it. Well, that sucks. But I think I will still enjoy the regular season. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat every game. I have the expectation to go out and win every game. Right. Um, I'm going to be. I'm going to be into it. There's no sleepwalking on my end as a fan. I did today at work. I uh, the Brave, Brave just lost. Really depressed about that. Yeah. And then uh, one of my coworkers, who's a season ticket holder, she's like showing me her phone, and she she's jacked up. Oh. Because the, she showed me the video of like the Falcons arriving in Philly, mm-hmm. and she's just like, "Let's go!" Yeah. <laughs> like, get you pumped up. I'm a little like, bit. okay, yeah, <laughs> nice football season. Hell yeah! Woo. I needed that little pick me up. Yeah. So, what are some things heading into the season, Adam, that that concern you? I think we touched on this last week, um, but I'll tell you again: uh, receivers catching balls. That's a big one. We led the league in drops last year, and for those fools who wanted us to go out and sign Des Bryant, I think he was the top uh, <laughs> receiver who, or he was the uh, worst receiver in the league in terms of drops individually. So putting him on the team that that led the league in drops is not a recipe for success. Yeah. So drop catches, uh, offensive line coming together. Yeah, it's a big with thing. Fusco, right? the- will Fusco be an improvement over Schweitzer? I don't know. That's that's the question we have to ask. But at ourselves. least we have more depth if someone goes down. Yeah, like I feel better about um, Schweitzer having to come in to fill in for somebody than freaking Tyson Breo. I still don't know why we made that move last year to get him. Gave up a fifth round draft pick for a guy who gave up five sacks to Vic Beasley. It's not like we didn't see that mm. in one game or four sacks, whatever it was. That game in Denver where he just exploded. In oh, the, I didn't uh, realize that was the same guy. In the twenty six. Yeah, it was yeah. all against Tyson Breo. <laughs> mm. So it was like, why would we pick up this guy who, one, got cut by Denver shortly thereafter and who we saw firsthand can't handle one of our best, you know, supposedly our uh, best defensive end? I just didn't make any sense. Anyway, 
But, yeah, that's a big thing, I think. Yeah, so what I say? Drops, offensive line coming together. Obviously, red zone execution. Red zone execution is big. they got to have something up their sleeves. So we were uh, – Sark's on the field this year, Graham. He is, but I will go back to the red zone. We were 23rd in the league in terms of getting red zone touchdowns. 27 for 54. Unacceptable. I know the team has talked about, repeatedly talked about, how they're focusing more on the red zone in practice. Great. Uh, Austin Hooper, I really want to be a bigger factor in the red zone as well. He um, declined. He normally goes to California to train. Uh, in the offseason this year, he was just working with Matt Ryan almost every day, catching hundreds and hundreds of balls. So I'm looking for him to take a big step forward this year. I think last year was a reality check. He had a nice rookie season. He had that big catch in the Super Bowl. Comes in uh, second year, has that big you know catch against Chicago. After that, he was as quiet as a freaking mouse. Didn't do diddly shit. I want to see a big, you know, uh, transition for him into becoming a good tight end. Who's the uh, backup tight end we got this year now? Uh, Saubert. Saubert. Yeah. Apparently, I mean, he's much more of a pass-catching tight end than old Toy Lolo was. Yeah. So maybe that'll be a red zone weapon. Could be. I don't know. It, it's a, it's a, some new personnel, at least, along with Ridley. Yeah. But I think um, I want to – yeah, I think Hooper can contribute to – Alleviating the red zone woes, I hope. I hope to God. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I think Matt Ryan is uh, at his best, you could argue, when he has a good tight end. You know, with Tony Gonzalez, even with Jacob Tamming in that the first part of that Super Bowl run, you know, he, he was a valuable contributor. Uh, and so was Hooper. But, you know, we really need Hooper to take his game to the next level this season. Uh, anything else jump out to you that's. Terrifying. Last one is whether or not our lines can be able to get enough pressure. Our defensive line. Defensive line. Yeah. That's my concern on defense. Uh, lose, lo- losing Claiborne. Yeah. And uh, old Poe. Yeah. Um, Those are big holes. I still, I, I mean, I, I still think having Vic back at DN full time is going to be huge for that. And then it's just a matter of whether or not. Um, What's the dude from Dallas? Jack Jack Crawford? Yeah. If he can step back in and kind of take over that D-tackle role. Yeah, on that, uh, on that front, the thing I'm interested with in Jack Crawford is his health. Because when he's played, he's looked pretty good. I mean, he's not you know a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, overall... Uh, you know, he can blow up some plays in the backfield. It's just can he stay healthy? He's a big, strong man. Yeah. And well, Sanat coming in as well. That's that's big. You, you can't expect him to play as much as Poe did or um, or Crawford to play as much as Poe did. It's going to be – that position is going to be much more rotational. Uh, and to go back to your point with Vic, This is really proven or not year because he's going into an option year. He'll be going into the fifth year option after uh, this season, and it sort of comes down to will the Falcons, you know, will they try to extend him, or is you know I think I think a lot of their decisions are based around Vic, and maybe even Grady Jarrett could come down to how well Vic does this year. You know, if you ask me, I want Grady over Vic. But yeah, the same, I think, I think they pay Grady as that. Yeah, you haven't player. heard anything about Vic this year coming into the offseason. Any rumors, anyone talking about, oh, well, Vic's got to be extended. 
you could argue that the decision's been made, but this is his chance to try and prove Thomas and Dan Quinn wrong to come out and have a monster season. I don't think he's going to be you know, as bad as he was last year in terms of sack output, and I don't think he's going to get 15. I'm hoping for something in the middle. If he gets eight or nine, good season. Yeah, if we could get eight or nine for both him and Tack. And Tack, that's, that's huge. That's huge. But I wonder if he can I wonder if he can do it. Last year, didn't see a lot from him that gave me a much indication that he was um, the same football player. At the same time he was put in he's position. Out of, he's out of position. He's out of position. So it wasn't totally his fault. But um so yeah, that's a big thing. Can the line get pressure with a lot of uh, you know, with some new personnel? Because Crawford hardly played last year before he was out for the season. So not a rookie. Um you know, Tax going into his second year and Vic's going into a prove it year. So your main four guys, and you also got Terrell McClain, McClain who's yeah. coming in. I think he's going to be a good rotational piece. I think, you know, the thing I like about this line is that um, they can play all over the place. You know, Crawford can play DT, can play DE. Same thing with McClain. It's like, um, you know, so I think that's that's cool when you can really vary up your, your schemes that way because you can have Crawford, maybe he wreaks havoc on a play on the inside of the line, then no. Oh man, we've been really doing well blitzing on the left side too. So maybe we can line them up on the end on this play, and so it can really confuse the offensive line. Ex- you know, exploit uh, matchups that way. And I like that the uh, the defensive line is versatile like yeah. that. I like the personnel. It's just a matter of seeing them actually get her done. Right, and of course, as we know, Grady Jarrett, all you know, fantastic player, top five defensive tackle in the league. I expect another monster season from him, and I hope that we resign him during the regular season, just so that's put to bed because I want him to be a fixture here for the rest of his career. He is tremendous. Yeah. It's always good to draft from Clemson, Graham. I tell you, you were you were one of the first people that said when he got drafted in the fifth round, you're like, this is a fucking steal. Yeah. This guy's going to be really good. And you were exactly right. Um, my biggest concern is Sark. <laughs> I think everything... Your buddy. My buddy, Sark. I think everything – I think the defense is going to take another step up this year. I think it's going to be a top – could be a top five defense if they get their shit together. I think – If that's true, why are they available in our fantasy league? I don't think people are really taking them seriously. People are on that yet. Yeah, I don't think people are on that yet. I um, I think they have the ability to, to rush the, the, uh, the passer well. I think we have the ability to cover better with our linebackers, minus Duke Riley. That's still an unknown – that scares me is that third linebacker spot because no one's really risen up, no pun intended, to to, to to take it, to claim it, and make it their own. But I like Devondre Campbell a lot, love Deion Jones. I like our secondary. I'm hoping Trufant can get back to his uh, old form. I think that defense is going to be really good. I think that defense is going to carry us. I think they're going to be, you know, they'll be one of the main reasons that that we're contending this year is, is once again this young defense taking the next step to becoming closer to being an elite defense if not becoming elite but the big question is going to be because as we saw last year we were holding teams they weren't scoring a lot against us the best teams in the league were our best teams in the nfc at least weren't scoring a lot of points against us minnesota vikings only scored 14 points against us the eagles in the postseason only scored 15 points against us and then they went on to proceed to score like what john like 30 40 points in every playoff game after that yeah yeah so the rams they didn't score 20 points against us. That was the best offense in the league last year. This defense is on the cusp of becoming a great defense. So I'm not really concerned about them, minus Duke Riley. What I am concerned about is the other side of the coin, where it's like even if you're holding people to under 20 points, it doesn't mean shit when you can't score 20 either. And that's where Sarkeesian comes in. 
has he taken the steps necessary this year, this offseason, to get comfortable with the offense, to give up these stupid fucking bubble screens and these quick passes that don't do anything, and actually focus on exploiting? This is the thing I really didn't like about him last year, is is actually exploiting matchups. And that's what Shanahan was so good at, was exploiting matchups and actually molding his offensive game plan around how am I going to attack this defense with the weapons that I have? Because he has all the weapons in the world. You have two running backs that could start in any team in the league in Coleman and Freeman. You have one of the best receivers in the league in Julio. You have a dynamic rookie in Calvin Ridley. You have a reliable receiver in Mohamed Sanu. There's absolutely no excuse why we can't be scoring close to 30 points a game again. So here, I can't, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show last week. I don't think so. Someone made a great point. Matt Ryan in his second year with the coordinator, because this is now his what? Fourth or fifth coordinator? So you had Malarkey, Cutter, Shanahan. Shanahan and. Uh, is that it? Sarkeesian? Yeah, I think this is number four. Uh, there might have been one other person in there I'm forgetting. But and, whatever. like, his numbers last year in Sark's first season mm-hmm. were better than his numbers in Shanahan's first season. Sure. People forget how much we hated Shanahan that first year. Oh, yeah. Year. No, he was public enemy number one. Yeah, just like Sark is now. Right. But that second year. That's when things start to click. Sure. The advantage, I think, that Shanny had is that he had success at this level, whereas Sark is so green that uh, he makes a goddamn cucumber blush. Right, but, I mean, everything we've... I don't know what that means. I'm saying... (laughs) I was going to gloss over that. Yeah, just keep going. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll plow through that one. Um you're greener than a cucumber. You're, 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 thought. You don't know what the fuck you're doing is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. Like you're green. Like you haven't done sick. something. No. You don't have an experience. When someone refers to you as you're green, it means that you're kind of like, like a rookie. Like money. You make money. Green. Just move on. Okay. <laughs> Eagles are green. Yeah, they just won a Super Bowl. Um, I don't know what my point was, Graham. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we've heard is that he's more comfortable. Now he's coming down on the field, got Greg Knapp helping him out from the press box. Okay. Um, that's actually, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, okay. Which I, th- I think... Second pair of eyes. Could be helpful for him. Yeah. And even though Greg Knapp is the quarterback's coach in title, I think he's doing a lot more than that. I hope he is, at least. Yeah. Keep in mind, we also hated Greg Knapp. Wanted to run him out of town. But he's had success. 12 years ago. He's had success. He's He also worked for the quarterback who didn't want to work. Mm, yeah, so I don't blame that entirely on him. So I just hope that Sark lets Matt Ryan take a lot more control on the field. I hope so too. I think that's important for some reason that it hasn't happened yet. We've talked about this to death. I hope that happens this year because I think, I mean, the man's won the MVP for Christ's sake. He's one of the you know he's a top ten quarterback in the league. Let him fucking lead the offense for the love of God. Um, but. If that doesn't happen, I still think, you know, Matt said something the other day where he was like, you know, I was thinking of a play to call in one of the preseason games, and and Sark was thinking the same same thing. So it's okay. like we're getting more on the same page. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we're more in step. So it, I think it really comes down to can the offense – doesn't have to score 34 points a game or whatever it was in 2016 when we went to the Super Bowl, but it's got to be more than 22, and, and we got to get better in the red zone. That's the big thing. Is can Sark elevate his game plan, attack opposing defenses by exploiting them, and can we succeed in the red zone? And if we do that, there's no freaking excuse why we shouldn't be able to win the Super Bowl this year. The NFC is limited, but 
we have as good a roster as anyone. And we have a pretty decent schedule. And we have a good schedule. It's actually uh, it's a good segue, Adam. Well done. Mm. So we open the season up, I was through Philadelphia. Uh, then it's a little interdivisional matchup with the Panthers, Saints, and Bengals uh, is the last game of the first quarter of the season. Um, sort of a brutal way to open up the schedule. Three playoff teams, back to back to back. Um, the Bengals? The, no, Eagles. Oh, three, not four. Three, yeah. <laughs> Eagles, Panthers, Saints. Uh, so that's, 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 that's tough, admittedly. And the good news is, is that the, uh, the division games are at home. So. Yeah, I think we're two and one out of that. Yeah, and then you'd hope that you beat the Bengals, so three and one. Uh, then we go on the road to face the Steelers. That'll be a tough game. Loss. Yeah, and then two uh, hopefully cupcake matchups with Tampa Bay and the New York Giants, both at home. Giants are supposed to be better. Yeah, we're likely to lose one of those games though, just because we always lose a game at home that we shouldn't. Sure. But uh, on paper, we should win those games. And then we get, you know, this is really the easy part of that schedule when you go to uh, Tampa Bay, New York Giants, Redskins, Browns. Those are four games you should all win, hypothetically. And that's the benefit, honestly, of us uh, being third place in our division. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Your strength of schedule fluctuates based on mm. that. Um, not taking into account, you always have to play another division every year, but um, the teams you play out of division, based on that. Uh, so after that, so I mean, yeah, you should win all four of those games. And you play Dallas. I don't know how good they're going to be this year, but got to respect Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott, mostly Zeke Elliott and Sean Lee. Then uh, at the Saints for Thanksgiving. Then we play the Ravens at home, go to Lambeau for the Packers. Uh, then the Cardinals at home, then at Carolina and at Tampa Bay. So it's not the hardest schedule in the universe. On paper. On paper. Um, but, and I really like that that middle of the season stretch, with like I was saying, with uh, Tampa Bay, New York, Giants, Redskins, and Cleveland. You can If you can win three or four of those games, or all four, that gives you a little, little breathing room. Do we want to dive into this week one matchup? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, let's do it. I guess the last thing I'll ask you is... Uh, your expectations for the season? Expect about 11 wins. Mm-hmm. Make the playoffs. Hopefully go on a run, but I'm not going to say anything out there. Sure. I agree. We Everything seems to be in place to do something big, Graham. Yeah. But that's what we said last year. Right. Um, and then we true to Atlanta it. Yeah. I really think the key is going to be second year of Cirque being around. Agreed. That's the big difference. Yeah, let's get into this first game, Adam. We welcome to the show once again, in official capacity, Philly John to break down this uh, game against the Eagles. Go Birds! You might remember that from our Super Bowl show. Go Birds! I forget, was Philly John on pre-Super Bowl or post-Super Bowl? Must have been pre Super Bowl. It was pre Super Bowl. Right? It was pre Super Bowl. That would have been Just to remind sense. you guys, last time I was here, gosh, you sent us on a, a winning streak. Last time I appeared on your show, the Eagles. So I, I appreciate the welcome mm. back before the start of the mm. season. It, really, really good. I mean, uh, I just thought I was going to come here, listen to you two, 
complain about your Falcons, me drink, you know, my beers, your beers. Uh, and honestly, the first good thing you said all day was the fact that you're going to beat the Cleveland Browns. And maybe go to the Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I would love to talk more about my Philadelphia Eagles. Well, Super Bowl champs. Yep. Um, so what what is what has changed from last year to this year uh, overall for the Eagles? I think Nick Foles' dick got just slightly bigger. <laughs> Old Gatorade bottle Nick. Is it going to two now? Uh, quite pot, sixteen ounce. Good mm. God! So uh, yeah, that's that's a big one. We know he's going to be starting the game uh, as Wentz is out. But he struggled this year in the uh, in the preseason. I know preseason is the preseason, but I don't think they've scored any points with him on the field. Lost to the Browns five to nothing. It's like a damn baseball game. It's just another Philly fake out. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. But it was interesting to read that. I think it's definitely a break for us that it's not Wentz. Yeah, like as good of a run as Foles went on, Wentz Wentz is clearly. No. The guy. The future. He's clearly the guy. I mean, you know, look, do I want to see Wentz start the season, finish out the complete season? Yeah, but I'd rather him, you know, rest up, get healthy, take us to another bowl. The confidence on this guy. Hmm. Uh, so you think that's the expectation in Philly now? No. No? No, in fact, I mean, we kind of want to go back to the grid. I mean, hell, you know, listening to you guys complain about your sports team, it kind of makes me a little... You kind of miss it. <laughs> so Life is so much easier now, isn't yeah, it? It's easier. It gives you more shit to talk about. Right, but also you don't have that drive to live. I think Adam and I, if we don't win a championship until, like, we're in our 80s or something, I think it will keep us alive, honestly, oh, that's is point. not winning a championship because then we won't get, you know, too fat and relaxed with our lives. And we, we won't have to, like, care as much because we haven't won. And I just think inherently... As I, a f- I could see that. would just be like, Graham, can you imagine if we die at 83 and then the Falcons win... The Super Bowl? ...the next year? I don't know what I... Well, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what I'm doing myself because I'm not here anymore. But right. Even, so. even if, if, if my spirit, if there is a spirit world of any kind, if it had any semblance of memory of, of me liking the Falcons and somehow I figured that out, I'd be so upset. I know. You were that so, close. So, I could see that. I was yeah. living at like 109. Yeah. Just, just waiting for that first championship. It's better. We'll be still doing this episode. I'm still doing the show. It's better be the goddamn year. <laughs> there is something. That, <laughs> I don't know. Much more of the shit I can deal with. There is something to say about the chase. I mean, it, it just, it, it picks you up that much higher. Right. I, I kind of felt bad for, you know, Cubs fans the other, the other year when they won the uh, World Series. You know, it's. Forever gone, another lore, another sports right. lore. You know? Right. So here's my question. If you could do the Super Bowl over again, so say Philly makes it to the Super Bowl this year, do you go to Philly to experience it in Philly since you were in Atlanta for this one? I would definitely like to go to Philadelphia, but at least I was able to uh, to, to raz and haze uh, a, a New York Patriots fan in Atlanta. Even though I couldn't be there, I could still at least point a finger and laugh wholeheartedly. Uh, into I can't believe it. you guys watched that game together. Intern Jared. Intern yeah. Jared, yeah. I, don't, I couldn't have done We it. bonded after that, that session in, in Minnesota. Yeah. We beat the oh, shit out sure. of a couple of uh, you know, northern pansies, eh? Sure, sure, sure. It's interesting that you guys were at Minnesota, and then you watched the game in Atlanta. It's a little weird. Well, we got a big budget around here. That's true. Yeah. Um, I guess um, defensively, who's who do we need to watch out for in this game tomorrow? Everybody. 
I tell you who you won't have to watch out for, but that's primarily because I'm more interested in the offense. I mean, defense, yeah, we're going to win championships with it, but offense, you don't have to worry about Alshon Jeffries. Um, I mean, him being out is kind of kind of interesting, you know? I mean, he was a big playmaker. Now we got Ertz, but at the same time, without Alshon starting the season off, it's, you know, you see us start to scramble and re-sign, you know, certain individuals that you're like, uh-oh. Is there a little nerves going into the game one about our uh, offensive weapons? Yeah, I'll shout. I mean, that's pretty big. That's number big. one wide um, receiver, number one quarterback out. Yeah, I think uh, with Nelson Aguilar, is he going to take over number one? For now. I think I saw, like, Mike Wallace. Is Mike, Mike now? Is that true? Wheaton. Yeah. Marcus Wheaton. Mark, Marcus oh. Wheaton. Yeah, Marcus Wheaton. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, Happens there. We all know about J.J.A., uh, him being an incredibly dynamic back who, you know, really took it to us with the stupid, Dolphins. What a stupid trade by the Dolphins. Yeah, with the Dolphins and, and with the Eagles in the playoffs. So he he, he beat us two times last year. Um, Darren Sproles, we all know from his Saints days, is still being a, you know, a good switch-up back who can kill you in the flat. He's got to be in his 40s by now, right? At least. Well, no, I think he's mid-30s, but it feels like it. Another year older, another inch shorter. Mm, no. The man just keeps getting faster as he ages. It's, it's like watching Mighty Mouse. Swear to God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just a cannonball. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Ertz, obviously Ertz, one of the best Titans in the game. Definitely going to command a lot of attention. I'm concerned, honestly, with who's going to cover him on our, on our team. I hope, hope the Christ is not Duke Riley because that would be uh, that could be a travesty. I'm not – I don't know. It's a week one game. It's definitely not uh, the same intensity as the last time we played. No. We're knocking the cobwebs off. For real, I mean preseason. Say what you want. It's not a. It's not a true test of merit. No, not I mean, at all. Week one, it's a true. All right, let's 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 you know, let's get back at this. So it's a toss up. It's a coin toss. Yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be pretty close. Whoever comes out uh, winning, I think. Honestly, the Eagles are gonna win because we cannot win in Philadelphia to save our asses. Go Historically, burgers. we can't fucking win up there. I don't know what it is. Well, I know initially. You know, with the Mike Vick era, it was, um, you know, Donovan McNabb and those teams were, were great. So we got our asses kicked every time. But then it's like even when the Eagles don't, don't do well, even the year we went to the Super Bowl and y'all sucked, y'all, you still kicked our ass up there. It's just like I don't know what what it is about playing in Philadelphia, but we just do not travel well up there. Um, so I'm concerned about that. But I'm also, you know, I am not going to throw myself from – the rooftop of the Adam Kalal Studios if we lose this game tomorrow. Just because it's game one. Christ's sake, we lost to Tampa Bay in game one of the year and went to the Super Bowl, and look what happened. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll be all right. Yeah. But I think it is a hell of a matchup to start the season. Two of the best teams in the NFC. The NFC is loaded this year. It's definitely the better conference. Every football person out there is going to be watching the game because it's the first game of the year, right. prime time. You know that Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are going to be talking about how close the Falcons got to winning that Super Bowl oh, in 2017. God. I tell you what, they were right on the cusp of greatness and just let it slip away. And now they got to come back after losing Philadelphia and just, you know, come back and try to uh, excise some other demons, right, Al? Yeah, and they're going to show the play over and over again. I don't have an Al Michaels impression. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'll just speak in my voice as Al. So we're just going to have to show the play over and over again of last time Philly and the Falcons met 
on this gridiron where Julio Jones was they held. Had, they had a play dialed up for Julio, but it was cold, frozen tundra, and he slips. He was also held. Well. Like crazy. The guy was on his back like you know, a freaking, I don't the, know. The refs let him play the game, man. Silly. Silly. That should have been called. Julio got held that whole freaking game. But he also should have caught that ball. <sighs> well. I don't know if I have any questions. John, do you have any questions for us? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's some things that keep me up at night. And just out of curiosity, real life, Hawk and Eagle go to battle. Who wins? Mm. Hawk. You mean a Falcon? Well. Is that a yes or no? It's <laughs> like Swahili there. Wow. <laughs> Falcon Eagle go to battle. Who wins? Eagle's bigger, I think, than a Falcon, historically. They don't seem as. They don't seem like they would have the same need to be scrappy like a Falcon, though. No, the Eagle tries to go. He's like, he's like, uh, Dikembe Mutombo. He's trying to just take your ass out. Whereas we're more like, uh, hmm. I'll say this we're more like Steph Curry and as a Falcon, and the Eagle is more like LeBron. So the Eagle's gonna win, probably, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, one on one. I think so. I hate to say it. I like but the Falcon might be able to get away. Might be able, be able to get around him. You never know. Right, right. I like how regardless, one way or another, we came back to sports with Steph Curry. LeBron James. Yeah, he, yeah. he's making true fashion. A sports reference. <laughs> a sports <laughs> reference to... <laughs> an animal. An animal comparison or whatever. Animal showdown. Um, so, gentlemen, prediction on the game. Hmm. 23-21. And the team. Come on. Go Birds. So he's Go birds. birds. Yeah. I actually think the Falcons win. Wow. Um, by at least 10 points. Jesus. That would be a statement victory. As we said, no one game makes a season. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say 31. Uh, 31. 31. 20. Wow. I think, uh, I think we lose 24 20. With some bullshit call that goes against us, that or or someone drops an interception like last, something bad will happen, and everyone's gonna get pissed off and overreact to it and say the season's over, but we'll be fine. But I, I think we still lose tomorrow. I just think the Eagles are missing a little too much in this game. No, and they're, they're coming off the high of getting their Super Bowl rings. They're gonna be too. jacked though. They're, I don't think they're gonna be that jacked. That fucking banner's gonna drop, and you're gonna feel like shit. It's gonna be it's gonna be just like when you're playing a big foosball game, and it's like nine to nine. And then you lose, well, then you win in heartbreaking fashion. And then it's like, okay, let's start the next game. How do you win in and heartbreaking fashion? Well, I changed my mind. You win in, oh, good point. You win. <laughs> Only Atlanta could do that. <laughs> win in heartbreaking <laughs> I was so upset that we won. So you win it. Yeah. But then, like, you have to start the next game. And it's like, uh, I don't really care about this one now. So I think the Eagles getting their championship rings uh, is going to be like that. Okay, right. I mean, it's kind of interesting to say that because in the in the in the the locker room they have a big banner as placed, and there's actually been some controversy amongst the team. Uh, some, you know, they love it. It's a fact of you know that that's that's their their history right there. 
but others they they look at that as a uh, you know. Yeah, I don't even no, I know what you're saying. Other right. others are like, you got to move on to the next one, and I see. Yeah. Don't live in the past. That was no. last year. This right. is this year, right? Current, yeah. yeah. I think I heard something about that. Yeah. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the Heat playing a factor in tomorrow's game? I don't know about you guys. I've been watching a lot of U.S. Open lately because, uh, well, no football on TV, and Phillies have been uh, sucking per usual. But uh, watching a lot of U.S. Open and these guys are sweating out there in the court, even at one o'clock at night. I mean, you know, to the point where they've actually installed heat, um, you know, heat advisory. It's that hot up even there? at night. Even at night, Jesus. yeah. Uh, they lifted it last night when uh, Nadal took on and beat team. But uh, yeah, it's kind of curious. Going into Philadelphia, still in this little bit of a heat wave. What do you think? How, how do you think heat plays a factor? We are technically a dome team. Yep, we're not. Uh, the elements are never never been our friend, but usually, you know, the funny part is when we go up north. It's always we're always bitching about the cold. Right now, we're bitching about the heat. I'm not as I'm not as concerned about the they're, heat. They're training in damn flowery branches. Yeah, hot if as you hell. can do that, you're yeah. fine. And also, I think it's probably hotter at Arthur Ashe Court just because of the concrete and all that. Um, not to take anything away from the heat wave of the north. <laughs> but um, you know, we we live in the mo- one of the most humid parts of the country, and I'm not really concerned as much with humidity as I am the, the cold. So this is kind of funny, you know. People always give the South shit when we cancel school and like, like the roads yeah. that happen when there's a little bit of ice. Yeah, they canceled freaking school for heat up north. Oh, what like much of losers? And they give us shit. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Heat. <laughs> What is this? Well, the air conditioning was out of the Kills. school, but still, you know, many, you know how many times I had to sweat in Mrs. Miss Ross's seventh grade chemistry class because the AC was out. Yeah, there's no AC. You're lucky if you got a fan at Shamrock Middle School. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's 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 that's, that's, a, that's factual. That's true. That's factual. Jesus. Yeah. Bunch of losers. Yeah. Yeah. So much for being uh, a bunch of tough people up north. Hmm. Christ. Keep thinking you're looking at your phone for like more questions, but it's just the same schedule. <laughs> it is the same schedule. Yeah, I don't know why it's still open. I don't know why I keep looking at it. Um, He's looking at that week you guys play the Browns. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just fantasizing about one. it. Yeah, <laughs> got it circled. But yeah, it should be a good game, and I think that's it. Unless you guys have anything else. That's all I got. All right, Philly John, thanks for coming. Best of luck to your. Uh, your birds this year, I begrudgingly say. I drink your beers any day. Go birds. We're always here for that. Yeah. Well, I think this uh, wraps up today's episode of Atlanta Zone. Thank you all for joining us. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.